0: It was a joke. People kept asking, what was I going to do after Webtointo, and I was like, some kind of Design John. And people were like, I like that name. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm registering a business called Design John. <laughs>
1: <So> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're listening to Philly Who, the podcast that tells the stories of the doers, thinkers, and performers of Philadelphia. My name is Kevin Schmidlin, and in this very special live episode from Drexel University, I'm chatting with Liz Brown. Liz is a designer, coder, and entrepreneur. Her love for the tech scene pushed her to start WebJunto, a software development company. But for Liz, WebJunto wasn't just about developing apps. She wanted to create a workplace that was diverse and inclusive.
0: I don't hire based on what people can do in this moment. I hire based on potential. That's very important as a woman of color, and underrepresented founder, that I see the potential in others that others didn't see in me.
1: Today, she's a managing director at Backstage Capital, a company that invests in underrepresented founders. But before Liz became successful, her path was a little unpredictable. And
0: I was like, I need to go do something different. I want to go somewhere, and my 18-year-old self was like, let's go talk to the military recruiters.
1: And Liz, who's originally from Buffalo, New York, had no plans to ever live in Philadelphia. And I
0: hated it here for the first two years.
1: Now, things are different. Liz has gone from hating Philadelphia to becoming a key player in the city's tech scene, whether she's teaching a college course, developing an app, or managing a whole company.
0: People always try to put you in a box. And you don't have to be. The trick is to know how to market yourself. And once you know how to tell your story and how to market yourself, all kinds of crazy opportunities open up.
1: The story of Liz Brown, now live on Philly Who. Just a heads up, there is some cursing in this episode. So anybody who's been around the Philly tech scene since 2014 has probably heard the name Liz Brown. She's a board member of Philly Startup Leaders, a local nonprofit that helps Philly entrepreneurs. Her first company, WebJunto, won the 2017 Timmy Award for Best Tech Workplace for Diversity. And in 2018, she was the Girls Are Rad Technologist of the Year. Now today, this LGBT woman of color is celebrated for the ways she breaks the mold of a traditional entrepreneur. But that wasn't always the case. In fact, growing up and even later while in the military and elsewhere, she and her quirky uniqueness were not accepted.
0: Uh, Yeah, a lot of people don't know this about me. I actually dropped out of high school at 16. Um, I used to get picked on pretty bad, I was very different in my neighborhood, uh, It was a predominantly African-American neighborhood, I'm a mixed kid that was really nerdy, I used to walk around on stilts in my neighborhood, I was super awkward just in general, um, and I really stood out in my neighborhood, so a lot of people used to pick on me uh, for being different.
1: What was the conversation like, what was the decision like to leave school?
0: Um, it was pretty easy because it, like, my days got pretty bad uh, when I was in high school is when I came out, and, and so I got picked on quite a bit because there weren't many kids that were out back then. It just got to the point where I, was, I just didn't want to be there, and I love school. I was in like, special honors programs and things like that, but I just didn't want to be there anymore, so I asked my parents to, to take me out, and I never told them why, actually, until I hit my 30s. Wow. So
1: Wow. So at that point you drop out of school and what was your plan? What did, what did you want to do? What did you want out of life?
0: I didn't know because I was 16. So I mean, for the, the most part, I, I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world because my parents could never afford to take us anywhere. Um, so I always wanted to go somewhere. I always wanted to see what was beyond my neighborhood. So that's, that's kind of always been my dream.
1: Yeah. And, and did you manage to at that point, go somewhere and travel?
0: Yeah, that's uh, when I turned 18 is when I went to the Air Force after my first couple years of school. So I, my first trip, though, was when I was in seventh grade and uh, my aunt and uncle didn't have any kids. They took me on a vacation and that was the first time, they were pretty wealthy, so that was the first time that I realized I was poor and I knew what I didn't have. Um, because I never knew before then that that we didn't have things. My parents always went out of their way to make us feel like we had everything. Yeah. Um, and that kind of spiraled into me seeing a lot of things from different
1: perspectives over the years. So when you made the decision to join the Air Force, was it strictly so that you can travel? Or, or was there something else that you saw in the military that you wanted to pursue?
0: Yeah, it was crazy because it was right after 9-11. So my mom was really upset with me. Um, but I wanted to see the world, so I I just took chance to do it because my my grandfather was in the military for over twenty years in the Air Force. So my mom grew up around the world, and she speaks multiple languages. So I just in my household you hear Greek, English, Turkish. Uh, so I just always uh, I always wanted to be able to have that same experience and see something see something different.
1: Yeah, was it hard to? do that when it was against your mother's will?
0: <laughs> yeah, my mom was pretty upset with me. Um, but at the time, when you're 18, you, know, you just kind of go, go with the flow and do what feels right. So I, had, I actually had a breakup, and I thought it was the end of the world. And I was like, oh, I need to go do something different. I want to go somewhere. And that breakup, like after that happened, um, my stupid 18-year-old self was like, let's go talk to the military recruiters. And, <laughs> and I actually got lucky because I got stationed in Hawaii which is really, really hard. And yeah, and they say that you can't get, they say don't even put it down as a choice because like you're wasting a choice. And I, I put Hawaii as my first choice and I got it.
1: Maybe so. you're the only one who actually did because everyone else was told not to.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I thought, you know? That's what I thought.
1: There's a lesson. There's not as much competition as you think because everyone assumes, right? Truth. So, so you were stationed in Hawaii. <laughs> that's amazing. So that must it was it, uh, was it a, a vacation? like, Or did you, did you enjoy your time in the military?
0: Um... I enjoyed it until I i was still dating men and women at the time and I was still coming out and it was really tough on me because in the military there's a lot of things like date rape and stuff. A lot of crazy stuff happens on military bases so I was really nervous to say no. So if someone asked me out on a date I would kind of just go. And it was at the time of Don't Ask Don't Tell was very active at that point. And um so I wasn't in the military for very long because I actually got discharged on, on Don't Ask, Don't Tell because I, I outed myself out of fear of some of the dates that I was going on. It's wow. like this doesn't feel safe.
1: So at that point, I mean were you were you upset that you had to leave?
0: I was super upset. I was I was actually scared that I was gonna get caught. Because at that time, if, you, if somebody outed you, you would actually get a dishonorable discharge. And my, like I said, my dream was to travel the world and I saw this as my only path to, to be able to do that because I couldn't, like my parents couldn't financially afford that um, and neither could I. So I was like, if I get caught, um, you know, like, it, it was gonna ruin everything yeah. for me, all of my plans. Um, if I outed myself at the time, I had this feeling that maybe I might be able to figure something out with my commander and I had always planned on going back um, after Don't Ask, Don't Tell right. was, was left.
1: That's crazy to me that that yeah. was even a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> so you leave the military, you go back to New York?
0: Yep, I went back to New York.
1: And at that point, what's your plan?
0: My plan was to go back to school. Uh, so I worked out uh, something with, with uh, one of the officers at my base where I, was, I wanted to go back to school, finish finish college, and become an officer. And so... I went back home, and I worked for i worked for a while to save up money to be able to go back to school because, you know, when you take a break like that, it messes up your financial aid and everything, yeah. so I was like, ah, oh, I got to save money. Yeah.
1: How long did it take, do you remember?
0: <laughs> oh, man, it was definitely over a year, and um, when I, I know when I went back to school, it was also hard because I went to Syracuse University for a semester, and I couldn't afford it.
1: Wow. Yeah. And then you wound up going to the University of Buffalo. Correct. Yeah,
0: I transferred from from Puce to Buffalo because it was back in the state system, and uh, very affordable. Yeah, so I I ended up going going there, and I loved Buffalo.
1: So you you got your degree in Buffalo in communications, but yep. we're here to talk about technology. Yeah. So at that point, had you been working in technology? <laughs>
0: I'd been coding since uh, since I was a teenager and was getting picked on as a hobby for years. And when I originally started college, I wanted to go to school for computer science, but it wasn't it. My mom is Greek Orthodox. It wasn't something that we really talked about me going to school for for tech. It seemed kind of out of the ordinary. And so I ended up just always as a side hobby coding for fun. I took computer science classes in high school, and I actually took computer science classes when I studied communication, mm. because it was in the School of Informatics, my, my program was, because UB is a research institute, yeah. so everyone was required to take at least the basics. Um, so it's always been something lingering, and yeah. I paid for grad school by coding, actually.
1: Wow. Now, at this point, you're, you're studying communications, and it sounds like it was it was just this hobby. Now, did you, like, if you were given the choice at that time, like, if the sort of social stigma around it that you felt was taken away? Would you have gone headfirst into technology at that point? Like, were you that interested in it? Or was it always something that you kinda, yeah, it's a hobby, but you know, that'll never happen.
0: I think, I mean, if anybody, anyone that follows me will see I'm a jack of all trades type. So I'm very much, I think I lean more towards being a creative than anything else. So I've done music and theater. I've been singing since I was a kid. So like to me, and I make beats. Like I do, I do so many different creative things. You so time for all this. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I have no idea, things. but I like making music. I play guitar and so like it, I've, I've always just, I like to create things and coding gave me a way to create something from scratch as well. So it just was always there. And I never saw it as something that had to be a career. I just always kind of leaned back to it with everything else that I did. Like everything that I've ever done, I've always coded something yeah. that has to do yeah, with it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, while you were at Buffalo, you studied abroad in Singapore.
0: My favorite place on
1: earth. Why?
0: I love Singapore. Singapore is beautiful. I never thought that I would be able to study abroad. Um, I was trying to go to China. I studied Mandarin Chinese actually in college and I wanted to go to China, but I wasn't allowed to go because you had to have more than one semester. Mm. So I, I went to the office for study abroad and I was like, where can I go? <laughs> where, I can, where I can speak Hawaii. Chinese. <laughs> yeah, and they, they were like Singapore and I'd never heard of Singapore at all. I didn't know anything about it, but a lot of people, a lot of people don't know about Singapore. And so when I went there, I had no clue. And um, it was the most amazing time of my life. I wrote, I wrote an essay to get a scholarship towards it and I sold my car. I sold my car to buy my flight, and it was crazy because my parents couldn't give me any extra money, Um, but Singapore was life-changing. I visited China while I was there. I visited Thailand. Um, I visited Malaysia, and I go to Southeast Asia a lot even now to visit my friends, but Singapore to me was my first time really leaving the country and seeing different things and just different experiences, and it was wonderful.
1: Is there anything that you learned while studying abroad in Singapore that you think you still apply today?
0: Yeah, I learned, uh, one thing I learned is people's perspectives matter, and a lot of the professors uh, out in Singapore, they're very tough on American students coming in. Uh, They think that we're lazy, they think we don't read, and I had a class, one of my first classes I had there, I'm like the first person to raise my hand (laughs) to volunteer for things, and I tried to answer a question about something in journalism, and the professor was like, we all know Americans don't read. And I was just like, oh my God, like what, what world am I in right now? And I, was, I just felt so insulted and, uh, and I actually dropped that class. Right. And it was, it, was very, it was very impactful to me personally because it took me out of this, uh, the veil of ignorance that I had um, about people's perspectives of me. Yeah. And so perspective to me is a very important thing. Uh, you have to understand other people's perspective of you wherever you are and you have to kind of live in that world that you're in in that moment and do the best you can to get through it. Yeah. And that's something I've always carried with me.
1: Wow, yeah. so you'd recommend studying abroad then?
0: Yeah, studying abroad is great. If you have an opportunity to do it, you should.
1: Cool, I didn't and I wish I did.
0: You can always do it. <laughs>
1: that's true, I guess I, I should just leave right now.
0: <laughs> Let's go.
1: <laughs> so uh, after you got your degree I- at Buffalo in communications, you pursued a master's in urban planning. Yep. Why urban planning?
0: So I like, grew up doing a lot of, I've always volunteered in my community. I didn't even know urban planning existed. Uh, my dad was a city councilman, so I had always been super involved um, with him. Um, so I love politics and I love just volunteering for things. And so urban planning seemed right up the alley for me, like perfect. Yeah. And, uh, it also was when I met my other half and I was trying to figure out how to stay in Buffalo and, okay. and all of that. And during the crash, there were no jobs. And I read somewhere. It was weird because I read somewhere that urban planning was going to be like one of the next big jobs. But no one was getting hired for anything at that point. Um, so <laughs> like, when I graduated, there was just nothing.
1: Yeah. So in the degree itself, did you think did the degree live up to your expectations? Like, did you find that you enjoyed and were good at urban planning as much as you thought you might be?
0: I love urban planning. I love urban planning because, again, it's my specialization in planning is community development. So you can go into a neighborhood and you do uh, charrettes or like we do in uh, in so the software design business, you know, we do discovery meetings of clients. It's yeah. the same thing, right? You go into a neighborhood and you help them rediscover it. And you help them kind of come up with creative ideas to, to innovate that neighborhood and make it stronger than it was the day before. So that's, to me, again, it goes back to just being a creator and yeah. redesigning neighborhoods. And it's, it's actually helped me a lot in everything else that I've yeah. done, too. So. And,
1: and learning other people's perspectives, right? Yes. Going back to what you said before, figuring out the perspective of the people that live here and what would make them their life better. How could it, it, it improve? That's, uh, I think, a very, very common theme as we see as the, as the story progresses. Um, <laughs> now, you got the master's in urban planning. And now, you're still in New York. What brought you to Philadelphia?
0: So, my partner got into Temple Dental, and she couldn't, we, it was either gonna be Boston, Buffalo, or here, and... What were you rooting for? The crazy thing was we were both rooting for Buffalo. We wanted to stay in Buffalo because Buffalo and Philadelphia actually have a lot of similarities. Buffalo has also been kind of in the in the come up for for years now. Sure. Um, so we were doing a lot of really cool projects there. And I thought it would be a great place to be. Plus, uh, she was like a presidential like honors student. Like she had a presidential scholarship. So we thought for sure she was going to get in. Yeah. And we, like so we were just planning on like buying a house and staying there because it was cheap and she didn't get in and then we went to Boston on a bus for a day because that's all we could afford and she didn't get into Boston and then she got in the temple and we're like guess we're going to Philly but we had no like, we had no lucky. idea at that point guess we're going here that's yeah. it
1: so I mean were you disappointed? you must have been disappointed like
0: yeah I had no well the crazy thing is I the only thing I wanted was to be with her so it didn't it didn't matter so much to me where we ended up. It just was the progression of our relationship after four years. Right. It just seemed like the right thing to do was go wherever she got into dental school. And the reason that it was so easy for me to to agree to that is because she's from Vietnam. So she came to America to go to school and yeah. go to dental school. So I, what was I going to do? Be like, ah, oh, sorry, we have been together for four years. So you just peace out and go to Philly by yourself, yeah. you know, like, yeah, it, yeah. it was everything she worked up to. So it just, I, I wasn't really disappointed. I just didn't know what to expect. And yeah. I hated it here for the first two years.
1: Oh, really? Hated. What did you hate it. about it? Um, <laughs> do I dare?
0: <laughs> yeah, do you dare ask? <laughs> i I hated, I don't want to say I hated working in urban planning, but it was, one of the hardest jobs I've ever had to do.
1: So you got a job here in urban planning. Yeah, it's when I
0: was working for the, the city housing department as a neighborhood advisory coordinator. And it was my first job, well, technically not my first job out of, out of grad school because I did take one gig when I first moved here wearing a sign and walking around
1: Old City. What did the sign say?
0: The sign was for Education Nation. It was <laughs> some, like, stupid thought bubble that was over my, it was so embarrassing, but I was, I was like, pictures? $15 an hour, and I do have a picture somewhere.
1: That'll and be the show notes.
0: And that was, yeah, that, that was just that was just horrible. But after that, is when I landed the job in, as, a, as a neighborhood advisory coordinator, and people in the neighborhoods did not like me. Yeah. Like, they did not like me. And so it was very frustrating because I also didn't know Philly. And people in Philly, you know, if you're not from Philly, it takes a long time. So it was very difficult on me. And I was young and naive and thought I could change the world as a planner. And, and people were like, who does this girl think she is coming in? And I just, I just felt yeah. horrible.
1: So you're, you're here in a place that you really don't like, that you, that you, it sounds like you don't feel welcome to. Yeah. What do you do at that point? What, like, do you just kind of suck it up and go to work every day? Or like, how did you approach that situation?
0: I tried to make the best of it. I, I just went to work and worked really hard. Some nights I was working until like 8pm and it was also my first time working in an in organization uh, surrounded by people of color because I'm from upstate New York. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, you don't get a lot of, a lot of opportunities uh, like that. I'm not, a, I'm not a city person, not a big city person. I'm a small city person, and it was just great to be surrounded by other people of color. So, for me, it was, it was just another opportunity to learn from, from other people and, and do something great. So, I just kind of sucked it up.
1: Yeah. Uh, when did the table start turning and and you started because I think you enjoy it now, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> it seems yeah. that you like it here. So I love
0: Philly now. How did
1: that change? Like, when did the tide start to turn in the direction towards Philly?
0: Well, when I when I lost my job, you know, they always say when you lose your job, it could be like one of the best things for you. And like when you hear that, it's like, that's ah, bullshit. But <laughs> but then yeah. when you're actually living your life and it happens, it's it really is game changing because. I, I had started that second master's in uh, information design and tech, and then I wanted to create programs to teach people how to code and do design and things like that, and then I lost my job. I got furloughed. My whole office got furloughed. Six months, I was waiting, waiting, waiting to get called back to work and nothing. And I was, I was like, well, i got to finish this program a minute, and then what am I going to do when I'm done? <laughs> like, where am I going to go? Um, I'm an urban planner with a degree in technology. Like what, what could I do? And no one would hire me. And um, I went to my first meetup. That's when I went to my first meetup.
1: And what was the meetup?
0: It was Code for Philly with um, Girl Develop It. Did a joint meetup on civic hacking. And that's actually where I met my co-founder Jedi.
1: Really? And so what was that first meeting like?
0: It was awesome it was awesome because i got to meet so many like the tech community in philly is so friendly and so inviting and i got to meet so many cool people at that first meetup they're like are you looking for work and i was like what where where am i like all of a sudden people are asking me if i need if i need help finding a job and and everyone was super friendly and, um, and Jedi invited me to a hackathon with him like a week later and we just became friends and we started going to hackathons together for like six months while I was looking for a job. I figured hackathons were my path to showing people that I can code yeah. and that I can design. Yeah. And if I could just throw myself out there, something will land.
1: Yeah. Is there a particular hackathon that was really fun or that you created something really cool at?
0: Oh man, I think, yeah, the hackathon, I got a Al Jazeera paid for me to go to um, to Doha. <laughs> what?
1: You did a hackathon there?
0: <laughs> yeah. What was it that did. like? It was amazing because I had never been to the Middle East before either. I learned about it at another hackathon here. Someone came in and they were just like, yeah, there's going to be a hackathon that's for journalism and Da, da, da and if you want to apply it's like all expense and pay, all expenses paid and no one was really paying attention because it was like a happy hour kind of situation and I was like I'm going home and I'm filling out the application <laughs> and and I did and it was they picked a hundred people from around the world two of us from Philly it was me and a professor from Temple wow. and they flew us out there they paid for everything they had servants it was, it was though because, you know, like hackathons usually have pizza and like, yeah. it's like janky, you know, yeah. I like get pizza and Red Bull and Mountain Dew. yeah, but you go out there and it was like, every, they had servants, they had, uh, they planned everything, they paid for everything and they also broadcast parts of it, which was insane. <laughs> um, like the people I w- got to work with at that event were from all around the world. So we had one person on my team from South America, another person from Israel and she was an anchor it was like a like a tv TV anchor anchor. yeah and then we had a guy who had uh, he was from italy and i think he worked on like yahoo maps or something back in the day it was a crazy group of people and someone from uh someone from south africa like my team was made up from awesome people around the world and our goal was to build a project to um to make information accessible uh what would we build to do that so we built like we built an app that was uh location based so it told you what was what was going on around you in that moment yeah it was pretty cool that was that was an awesome 48 hours
1: yeah wow (laughs) so then at what point did this go from just i do hackathons occasionally to i think i might start a company
0: i had been asking jedi i i loved working with jedi at these hackathons and i'd been asking him to work with me because I was like, well, listen, like I was getting the worst projects by myself. I was getting all these projects off Craigslist. People didn't want to sign my contracts. I was being taken advantage of, and I felt like if I had a white male co-founder, yeah. <laughs> it would it would make my life a lot easier, yeah. and uh, and people would probably sign my contracts and things like that. And we worked well together, and we had fun together. So. It, it just was a natural fit. So after about six months of going to hackathons together, he finally said, Liz, I'm quitting my job. I'm ready to work with you. Wow. And so I just pulled all my clients in and we started WebJuto.
1: Yeah. You started a company. <laughs> yeah. So now you no longer have that perspective that tech is this kind of side thing that would never work out. So did you wind up like telling your family that you were starting a tech company? Was that difficult?
0: Yeah, my 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 dad was super hype about it and my mom was just like, No, no Lizzie, don't don't do that. My mom is never my mom is always the one that's afraid of me being a risk taker. Right. And my dad is also entrepreneurial. So like he's he's always been down. Yeah. He's always been down with me just going out. He's the one who dragged me to register my first company before Web uh. He dragged me to City Hall and had me like fill out all the paperwork and everything in upstate New York and just made me do it.
1: Yeah. So, how quickly until Web Junto really started taking off? Like was it a quick immediate success?
0: <sighs> you know what? It's crazy because we started with just the two of us, but we had three co-ops I think from Drexel. We started with a pretty awesome uh, team. We were always super diverse, always doing different things. People noticed us right away. We we're kind of good BSers, you know, mm. like we we pretty much always <laughs> made ourselves look much bigger than than we were, and it's that's that fake it till you make it approach that that we took for everything we did. Uh, We had a lot of partnerships with co-working spaces and things that we were hosting events. We started the Philly Junto meetup. And um, when we started that meetup, we were hosting monthly events that just like, we had very good turnout.
1: Yeah. So after spending so much time struggling to find work, how did you approach hiring people?
0: My approach to hiring people has always been to give people the opportunity that I didn't have. So I'm very much the kind of person that I, I hire based on, um, I don't hire based on what people can do in this moment. I hire based on potential. Yeah. Um, I think that that's very important as a woman of color and underrepresented founder, that I see the potential in others that others didn't see in me.
1: Hmm. So do you remember where you were when you found out that WebJunto had won the award for best tech workplace for diversity?
0: I was sitting down with a few people from my team. We we did not think we were going to win, but we were just excited to even be on the list because Comcast was also on the list. So, like, first off, it was a community vote. So, like, I didn't think even if Comcast just asked their employees to all vote, there was no way that we would have won in my mind, right? But when we won, it was crazy because they looked at me, and we were just sitting there, and I and and I was just like so stunned. I turned and they were put telling me to go and I was like, come with me. And I brought—I think I was probably the only person to bring my team on stage and we were crying. We were in tears. Like, like, all, like if you look closely at the photos, we had tears in our eyes. Wow. It was amazing, it was awesome.
1: Wow, that is cool. And then would you say that was one of the most triumphant moments in your time at Webjinto?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, amazing. yeah
1: web junto became huge right anybody who was involved in the texting knew of web um knew of you and jedi you know you guys are killing it so then at what point did you it was only what four four years until you moved on what made you decide to move on
0: yeah so when we first started the company we never planned on growing a, a huge company and me and jedi have always been different in the directions we wanted to go in in general so when we started the company, we had all these ideas of how we were gonna branch off into different things. And we finally got to the point where, you know, we just weren't aligned anymore in the values that we both carry individually. And it just didn't feel right. You know, we hit, I think we hit 1.5 in revenue that last year we were doing. Yeah, we started the business with 250 bucks out of my pocket, 250 out of his, and we paid ourselves back like two weeks later. So we started the business with almost nothing. <laughs> and. um and when we got the company up to that point, I think we were at about 24 employees. We had a couple of people in Finland, the guy in Costa Rica, someone in Barcelona, and most of our team was here local. It was really just awesome to get to that point. But I felt stifled and I wanted to continue growing just, just for my own like professional development. Um, and I feel like I can create more opportunities for other people like me if I just moved on and did something different.
1: Yeah, So that must have been a tough conversation to have
0: yeah it was very difficult it was very difficult and there were several arguments and things Um, what a lot of people don't know is that it was my idea to kind of walk away from web junto and a lot of people are really confused as to what happened but we just weren't aligned anymore it just didn't feel it just didn't feel like what it was you know our team was awesome me and jedi had an awesome uh flow working together but at that moment Uh, in the last few months of the business it just didn't feel like we wanted to go in the same direction and we just kind of I wouldn't say we grew apart some people say it felt like a divorce (laughs) but it it wasn't like we grew apart we still talk and everything and you know I still wish the best for him and what he's doing uh, with Open Forge but at the same point I needed to continue growing
1: how do you so you know I, I think we've all been in a position like that where you're involved in something that's been successful, and you get that feeling in your gut that it's time to move on. And that can be really, really, really difficult to come to terms with and believe. So having gone through that, any advice for anybody who might be feeling that about something in their life right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, you just gotta be confident in yourself and what you wanna do, and I think for a long time I was the compromising half of the the partnership. I've always prided myself in being a very collaborative person, and I love working with other people. But I think I allowed myself to take it too far and continue to compromise when I should have been carrying confidence in myself and the ideas that I had. And so that's why I'm pretty proud of where I've landed anyway, uh, because I felt like that confidence that I needed is what helped me be able to walk away and say, hey, you know what? I can do more than this. I can do something bigger than this. I can help so many more people that that don't have opportunities um, yeah. Yeah.
1: So tell me about the night that you attended the 2018 Rad Awards.
0: I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. So you were I, nominated. Yeah, I was nominated. and I didn't want to go because I didn't, I was like, I'm not going to win this. And I didn't really care if I won. I just, a lot of the other contests in Philly, you know, like I know the other women or technologists that are nominated. And I'm just like, wow, they're just such amazing people you know, I don't think that I'm gonna take this home, so I'll just show up to say, you know, say hi, and you know, like, show face, show and face, yeah. yeah, I hung out in the back, and uh, again, I was stunned. I had no, I had no clue that I was gonna, that my name's gonna be read. Yeah. The crazy thing is, because I was so unprepared, <laughs> I had no idea what I was gonna say when I went up, and if you see the video that my partner made, I looked completely stunned because i was just like what like they had to tell me that they said my name basically like people <laughs> around me were like screaming and i was just like i was boat like boat. what yeah like i had no i was like what's going on they said my name um, in a lot of the the thank yous that i give i usually you know give shout outs to my team because i would have been nothing without the people who supported me yeah you're nothing without your supporters so you have to stay humble and you have to thank the people around you that helped you get to where you are
1: yeah wow so you leave Web Junto at that point. So you said you felt stifled. Yeah. What was it then that you wanted to do?
0: I think what I really wanted to do was focus more, not on diversity and inclusion, but because that's something that just follows me as a, as a woman of color anyway. Right. I can't really escape those conversations. People are always going to pull you into it when you're a woman of color and you're in tech. I think for me, I just wanted to experience more and I love event planning, and I love consulting, I love design thinking, and I felt like being stuck in in just software development and user experience wasn't enough. I wanted to pull myself out and focus more on experience design as a whole and be able to, to help people with design thinking and experience as a whole. So I had to step back and say, you know what, maybe I need to code a little bit less and put myself in a position where I can help other people, like it was so, it was a sacrifice yeah. um, and we had we had disagreements about right. me not wanting to code as much anymore because i I was like, you know we have a team for this, and people yeah. are asking me to go do more public speaking and things, yeah, so I should be out there telling my story and being involved, and yeah. you know i don't want to be selfish
1: so. And, but you have to leave something that's established and well-known and proven to, to do something from scratch once more. Yeah. So is <laughs> is that the, the point that you started Design John?
0: Yeah, and, and I think I was telling you this before, Design John was a joke.
1: It was um, a joke. It
0: was a joke. I, I People kept asking, what was I going to do after Web Junto? And I was like, some kind of Design John. <laughs> I don't know. And people were like, I like that name. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm registering a business called Design John. <laughs> <So> <laughs>
1: yeah. and, so, and, and now you're, um, you're with Backstage Philly. So yeah. how did that opportunity come to be?
0: It's insane. Um, I try to say this in the, the most short way that I can.
1: I, know, I accidentally
0: wow. won an hour conversation with Arlen with Arlen Hamilton, the founder of Backstage Capital. And it was super random because I've been following Backstage for a long time. i just a fan of the work that they do because uh, working with underrepresented founders is something that's really, I'm passionate about it. And it was super random because I retweeted something where she was like, oh, you can win an hour with me. I'll go. And I was just like, oh, I want to retweet this to people that follow me. They'll love this. And they picked me and I was like, get out of town. Like 15, 1500 people retweeted this. Yeah. How did they, they pick me? Um, so that's kind of how I started to have conversations with them, but that's not where we started talking about What did you talk about in that hour? I never got it. Oh. I still have not gotten this. So what happened is. So I was gonna say, I thought those no, Twitter
1: things were BS. So I guess they actually no, no, are.
0: Yeah, I never actually got the hour because me and Arlen, we were speaking at a lot of the same events and so we never have been able to like really schedule the time yeah. to, to meet. And I met her for five minutes at a private event. Um, black and Brown Founder Project was having a, a dinner, a private like dinner thing. And she also was invited. So she popped in, she was only there for like 15 minutes. And she gave me five of those minutes and was like, Liz, reach back out to me in a couple of weeks. I have this big announcement I'm gonna make. And that was when she made the announcement for the $36 million fund for black, uh, black women entrepreneurs. And I was like, ah, you know, we just don't have the time. Like, we never have the time. So I'm just going to chill on this. We're never going to find time, but we know the same people. Eventually, we'll we'll have a conversation. I held off, held off. And then I was like, well, maybe I want to launch an accelerator in a co-working space um, with my distribution from WebJunto. Maybe that's my calling in life. And I shot her a message. So I, I mentioned to her that I wanted to launch an accelerator for underrepresented founders in Philly and that I was on the path to doing it. And she kind of said, hold that thought. Mm. You know, we're trying to do something similar. And I was like, well, I'm a collaborative person. So if y'all are trying to do it, I, don't, I, I would rather wait and see you know, how that goes and help with that, support it whatever way I can. And it kind of came full circle when they, when they decided that they were doing it. I had actually been interviewing in all kinds of other places and like considering, oh, maybe I'll go work somewhere for a little bit. And then they came back to me and they were like, Liz, would you want to run this? It was never an interview or like a big conversation. It was just like, oh, Liz, like we've been giving <laughs> well, you, your name. You retweeted like, us, so you
1: could probably run yeah, away.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they, had, they had heard about me. We knew the same people. And uh, also with me volunteering and things with stuff with Black and Brown Founder Project and her knowing Ania. it's like a whole, bun, you know, a whole bunch of relationships finally stacked up to something really meaningful in that moment. And when they asked me to do it, I kind of just dropped everything and was like, of course I will take this contract. Like who wouldn't want to work with backstage? The team is awesome and the mission is awesome. And, um, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to tell people that they're going to get funding to build their project.
1: Oh my gosh. Can you tell us about like one particular moment telling somebody that they got the funding? Oh
0: man, several people cry. Like several people cried. We did everything through video chats and things like that. And like to see a grown man cry on video chat, a grown black man cry on video chat when they find out they're getting $100,000, we cried. Like in a lot of the calls, we cried. Our team was in tears with people when we called them. And that's something that I think is really interesting about Backstage is that the team is so like empathetic. Yeah. You know, we, like everybody really cares and is excited to give other people these opportunities as underrepresented founders. So it's just, it's just great whenever we get yeah. to do those phone calls. Um, I
1: love it. You must get asked for this all the time, but for somebody who's trying to start a venture or maybe doesn't even think that it's possible, kind of like you did back in the day, who is from an underrepresented group, if they were in the room right now, what would you tell them?
0: Just do it. Just do it. Don't be afraid. Find a mentor. Go to events. Meet people come find me, I'm always happy to do coffee dates. I do lots of coffee dates with people, even though I do a million things, somehow I find time, we found time for a coffee date not that long ago. And um, I'm always down to help people uh, live out their dreams, you know, even if it sounds crazy. And there's a lot of other people who are too, you know, you'd be surprised how many people will respond if you ask them for a coffee date. Just don't tell them you want to pick their brain because that is like one of the number one things that it's just like, why do you say you want to pick my brain? You have nothing to offer in this meeting, but I get a lot of messages. I think right now I have like over a hundred and something people waiting to connect with me on on LinkedIn, which is it happened after I joined backstage, like all of a sudden my LinkedIn went insane and a lot of them have, like, I want to pick your brain, Liz. Like, and I'm just like, what? Like, I don't, I try not to judge. I love you all. I try not to judge, but it's like, you know, just, just be, just be honest and say, you know, what, what you're hoping to to get out of a conversation and also maybe how you can help me with something. I think a lot of people say that, but I I think it's important. You know, everybody has something to offer too. Don't, don't feel like you don't. Everyone has something to offer.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, uh, not certainly that scale, but recently I've I've had quite a few people reaching out to pick my brain about podcasting, and you know it comes a point where you simply just can't. And that's how we met. That <laughs> is. Yeah. That's how we met. Yeah. Well, some some people you take the hour, you know, you yeah. take the coffee date. But yeah, um, you, know, you just have to, re- I'll respond to the people who have something specific to talk about. Like, you know, they leave it open to a phone call, but I'll be like, you know what, Now let's get coffee. You know, like, <laughs> let, let me make the decision. And then I'm happy to do so. And you'll know, list out, oh, I wanna talk about this part, this part, that part, because then they've done, you know, the research um, to, to figure it out what it is they want to get out of the conversation. So what are you excited about with your, with Backstage for the next three, six months?
0: Oh man, first off, the companies that applied to come into the cohort are amazing. One of the things I'm most excited about is having people come in from outside of Philly. Mm. And tr- my goal is to get them to stay. My goal is to get them to stay here and build their business here because they need to hire technologists like us, they need to hire designers, they need, you know, th- they're going to be growing their business. They should be growing it here. Yeah. Um,
1: Can you tell me about Philly as if? You are pitching to one of these people and trying to convince them to move here? What would you tell them?
0: First off, cost of living. Compared to places like New York, D.C., San Fran, it's, the cost of living here is really great for anybody wanting to start a business. It's, it's just awesome. And then we have so many great universities right here in this city uh, with super talented students. Like I said, I, w- I wouldn't have been anywhere if it wasn't for Drexel Co-op with WebJunto yeah. because we've been using Co-op from the very beginning, the power of interns and not just interns, but interns from a great school, it really can make a huge impact on your business. And I'm already trying to set people up with co-ops that are coming into the cohort. So I'm I'm already telling them like, you gotta get into Drexel co-op program because now you have an office here.
1: Yeah, 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 that's awesome. I've heard that you have another venture coming soon
0: So, uh, yeah, me and a couple of friends are launching another company called BCKG. And um, all three of us have been doing the same type of work separately. Um, And we all had very similar things happen to us with our previous co-founders and people we were working with. um, Because all three of us are people of color. And we just feel like we've been devalued in the relationships we had in the past. Um, We're going to be focusing on startup consulting. Uh, startup coaching, uh, also working with probably enterprise projects as well, but, you know, really focusing on design thinking and technology innovation and helping people to uh, to get to the next level.
1: Yeah. So at what point you had the chance, you know, when you walked away from WebJunto, you, you stayed here. Was there a moment or a day where you kind of realized, oh, man, I'm a Philadelphian?
0: Yeah, actually, it's crazy because I after Web June I thought to myself, well, what do I have in Philly? Should I stay here? And I've built a lot of really great relationships here. And I it took a long time for me to to love Philly. But I think when I when I realized that I was a Philadelphian was what I got into. <laughs> one, I got into the leadership Philly program. And so they're trying to keep me here too. Yep. Um, and I bought my house here because I really do I really do think that Philly is a great city, and there's a lot going on, a lot more going on than people realize, as far as innovation, technology, and food. And I am a foodie, and a lot of people don't realize how good the food is here in Philly. I've traveled the world, and I will tell you, Philly has great food, not just cheesesteaks, because they're not really that great. Someone someone's going to complain that I said that. I know it. Someone's <laughs> no, going to complain that I said No, I'm going to cut it out of the episode. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody's you know, hearing like, that. There's uh, events all the time. Yeah. So I feel like Philly has it going on and a lot of people just don't know. Yeah. Um there's a lot of people coming here from from San Francisco lately. So we got to we got to keep oh, keep yeah. going we'll keep and them. Yeah. you know, we got to we got to keep the Philadelphians here.
1: Yeah. What what would you say is the biggest from your perspective, which is multifaceted? Uh, whether, you know, tech, urban, you know, design, whatever it is, uh, underrepresented folks, what is the biggest challenge facing Philadelphia today?
0: Ooh, that's a big one. I think the biggest challenge is that there's so much going on and yet things are still very uh, fractured. There, there are a lot of people that stick to what they know and not enough people going out mm-hmm. and taking a risk to learn about the other communities out here. Um, I personally like to go to events that are organized around politics, nonprofits, technology, startups, uh, anything STEM. I've gone to education conferences. Mm. I literally throw myself out there because I want to learn about everything that's going on and try to find ways to bridge it. Yeah. Um, I think that there's an amazing innovation ecosystem happening here, but not everyone that should be connected is connected yet.
1: Yeah. What would you say is a common misconception about you?
0: Oh, man. A common misconception about me. I think some people are afraid to talk to me, which is weird because I have a very friendly face. So mm-hmm. when I go shopping, a lot of random people will talk. I talk to people in stores all the time. You catch me at Best Buy, you will be, you will be getting advice. <laughs> you will be getting advice on something. Um, but for some reason, you know, a lot of people that, Follow me, like now that I've reached like micro, I can think of micro influencer yeah, totally. point. There are people who walk past my office, but won't come and say hi.
1: <laughs> Look at you, like through. They, the glass. like yeah, and then
0: I'll meet them somehow, and they'll be like, "Oh, I've been wanting to say hi to you," and I'm just like, "Why? Why haven't you? Like, I'm here. I'm super friendly. Um, I love talking to new people, and I'm a talker. So if you get caught with me." You might you might be stuck for at least a good ten minutes, um, it, so I, I have no problem with meeting new people, and yeah. I think that some people are just. They're just afraid to talk to people that they hear speak at an event or something like that. But I love it. Like, come say hello anytime.
1: If you could send a message to yourself in the past at any moment, butterfly effect aside, so, you know, it won't, like, lose everything. I'm glad you add that in. That was really
0: important. I know everyone says, like,
1: you know, I really like where I am now, so I wouldn't change a thing. And, like, that's the the question is, you know, if you could send a message to yourself in the past, think of it maybe as even somebody else who might be in your shoes. um, At what point would you send it and what would you say?
0: Oh man, I probably would have sent it to my teenage self uh, because at that time I was really depressed when I was getting picked on. Uh, at the peak of me getting picked on, I was, I thought about killing myself. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I really didn't know, I didn't think things were going to get better. I didn't think, think things were going to get better at all. And I think I probably would go back and say, it's all going to be okay. And just follow your heart. Um, and probably also just being a jack of all trades, like people always try to put you in a box. And you don't have to be. You know, you can be a designer, a developer, and, and do music and theater, and you can do all these things. And um, the, 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 the trick is to know how to market yourself. And once you know how to tell your story and how to market yourself, all kinds of crazy opportunities open up. Um, it's when you don't know how to do those things that you're kind of screwed. So I think if I knew, if I knew any of those things when I was younger,
1: yeah. I
0: probably would have gotten to this point much sooner and yeah. you know, I didn't start Web Junta until I was 30, yeah. so.
1: Wow. Yeah. Uh, finally, if if you could get one message to every Philadelphian, whether a tweet, uh, email, plane in the sky, billboard, whatever, one message that every Philadelphian could receive and ponder, what would you say?
0: Philadelphia is the future. I would say Philadelphia is the future. You got to be here to, to experience it. And if you leave, then you're you're missing out on a lot of awesome opportunities. Now is the time to be here.
1: Liz, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Thank you for having me, Kevin.
1: (laughs) Here's a very special thanks to Caitlin Smith and everybody at the Drexel University College of Computing and Informatics Women in Computing Initiative, and to all who came out to the live show. For more on Liz and her journey, you can head to podfillyhoo.com forward slash Liz, that's L-I-Z, or just check out the show notes. If you like the show, I invite you to make sure you're subscribed and maybe even tell one friend of yours who might also like it. Really, text them right now, please. It really helps. You can also follow along on Twitter and Instagram at podphillywho. Philly Who is a Q9 production. This episode's associate producers are Angela Gervasi and Bryce Lobel, with editing by Max Graham, music by Lee Rosevear, and artwork by Lauren Carhart. For Philly Who, my name is Kevin Schmidlin. Thanks for listening.